0: Let's look at our Bibles. Nehemiah chapter 2 and uh, verse number 17. Then said I unto thee, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem. That we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God. Which was good upon me. As also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Today my assignment is to preach to you this thought. Let us rise up and build, and thank you you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Nehemiah was facing tragedy along with his fellow national citizens. The nation of Israel was in trouble with God, their city, their capital city, Jerusalem, lie in waste. And he had a burden to rebuild. The old waste places. He knew that what they lost was more valuable than what they currently had. And it was worth going back and getting what it was that they lost. And and I see some striking similarities between the condition of then Israel and Jerusalem and now the church today. I believe that Jesus, when he said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I believe every word of that, but I also want to say that it has not come without a fight from the gates of hell. And unfortunately, in many places today where people gather together and claim to Gather in the name of Jesus. They're doing anything but church. It seems like our culture has uh, fallen head over heels in love with the ways and methodologies and philosophies of this world. And it has crept into our churches today. And so I see symbolically that many churches today lie in waste. They are as the Laodicean church was described, I believe it was, that they said that they was, that they were rich. They said that they were increased with goods. They said that they had need of nothing. But Jesus told them that you don't know that you're naked and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And today, could it be that too many churches are naked, miserable, poor, and blind, and all that, and they're clueless because they have everything that money can buy and nothing that money can't buy. They've got their buildings, they've got their carpeted pews, they've got their carpeted uh, uh, they got their floors carpeted, they've got air conditioned buildings, they've got all the programs. They can buy any talent they want. They got their banks filled, their coffers filled, and they got all this stuff. And yet they are deficit when it comes to the power of God to deliver people from their sin and to heal the sick. Can I get an amen? And churches today say that they are rich. And increase with good. And they boast of their uh, grandeur. And they boast of their uh, influence in the community. But little do they know that they have lost their witness. They have lost their ability to influence the culture. They have lost their ability to be light in a shining uh, a shining light in a dark world. They have lost their saltiness. And Jesus said, if, the, if uh, therefore your salt loses its savor, it's thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. I describe for you too many churches today when I say that. There are too many, and mark my words this morning, listen to me, there's no church that is immune to that happening to them. It could happen here just as easily as it could happen anywhere where churches end up being more like a social club or acting more like a moose lodge than they do the church of the living God. Amen. And, and, and we have our methods and our routines and our preferences. And we just program God oftentimes right out the door. And we may be financially well off and we may be even doing okay, some of us health-wise, but we're spiritually bankrupt. We lie in waste in our souls. We are as uh, the children of Israel who wandered around in the wilderness where the Lord gave them what they wanted, Uh, materially, but he sent leanness to their soul. And no matter what they did, it never satisfied their soul. And you can have all the money that this world has to offer. And you can have all the power and prestige that this world has to offer. But if you don't have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, you are bankrupt. You could be Bill Gates. You could be any of those billionaires uh, that, that play people like puppets with all their monopoly money. And you can be that powerful. And yet, if they don't know Jesus Christ, they're just as empty on the inside and they are bankrupt in terms in the eyes of God. Amen. And many times our churches end up in a spiritually bankrupt situation. Where we make it about me and mine and us and and we, we become callous towards the world that we have been called to reach. And instead of reaching out with the love of Christ uh, and with character and dignity and grace, we become cynical and cruel and cold and we begin to respond to uh, to lost people the way they would respond to us. But somebody's got to be more spiritual than that. Somebody's got to be willing to take the blunt a little bit. Somebody's got to be willing uh, to go to the cross like Jesus did. Jesus said uh, uh, to take up your cross and follow me. That means there's going to be a price to pay to serve God. And it's going to hurt sometimes to love people who hate you and love people who hate God. Uh, and sometimes we just want to call in our little holy huddle and hide behind our stained glass windows and hope the world just passes us on by and we forget that they're headed straight for hell and we be out there with our warning signs, warning them and loving them and bringing them to the family of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. But many churches today have learned how to have, quote unquote, church, whether God shows up or not. They have figured out how to develop a systematic routine, and they wouldn't know the presence of God if He sat down in their lap. Amen. Amen. I mean, it's kind of like Samson who who went further and further away from the presence of God. God had an anointing on Samson, uh, but Samson kept dabbling in sin. And one day, Samson woke up just like any other day. And the Bible said it this way in the King James Bible, and he wished not that the Lord had departed from him. I mean, he got up and he didn't even notice that God was gone. And I'm afraid today that there are many churches today that haven't even noticed that God hasn't showed up in a long time. Amen. Uh, it's not that he's not present with us because he promised that he'd be with us. But it's just that we will not permit God to manifest his presence in full glory the way he intended to with our stubborn hearts. Oh, because uh, what we want is more important, you see, than what? God wants for us. And that's the attitude, unfortunately, of too many churches today. And it's a warning to Washington Heights Baptist Church that we need to pray against the lure and the temptation of Satan to come into our camp and to rob from us something precious, which is a zeal for God and a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. And the devil would love nothing more than to rob that from us. In fact, I would dare say that there are some in our midst today that are probably spiritually bankrupt this morning. You might be saved, but you're not happy. You haven't served God and you can't remember when. When was the last time you mentioned Jesus to anybody? Where are you in your walk with God? Or have you just been living it up and and fulfilling the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life and, and going down your path and building your earthly empire and kingdom and buying your bash boats and building your fancy houses while the house of God and while your soul lies waste? Oh, that God would give us the spiritual awakening in our day today. I say to the church of the living God, let us rise up and build. Let us find the old waste places and let us beg God to give us back something that we lost long ago. And that was a hunger and a thirst for for righteousness that far surpassed our hunger and thirst for this old world. I'm telling you, this world has nothing for you. In fact, this world will use you, you, abuse you, and then discard you when they're through with you. Can I get an amen, church? Uh, and I, it will do you good, young people. Hear me and hear me well. Do uh, not sell your soul to the devil. And not sell your soul to the company. Amen? And not sell your soul to the ways of this world. Because all they want out of you is what value they can see in you. And once they're done with you, they will discard you. And Jesus does just exactly the opposite. He finds an old waste heap and somebody that's wrecked and ruined and don't have nothing to offer him. And he invests his blood into them. And he invests his word into them. And he builds something beautiful out of nothing. Now, I don't know about, but I think that's a pretty good deal. Amen. I'm glad I serve a God that found me when I was low. He found me when I was worthless and hopeless and helpless. And he invested himself into me. And he didn't think I was disposable material. Oh, no. He looked at me and he said, oh, I know he looks rough now, but wait till I get done with him. And then come back and talk to me. Amen. And some of you need to realize your life is not a waste in the eyes of God. God loves you very much. And the Bible said for God, send not his son into the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. And you may have condemned yourself. And listen, you may be condemned, but Jesus came as a remedy and he can rescue you from your sin. Today, and he'll gladly do it. Give God some praise and glory. He'll gladly do it. Many times the churches are lying in waste. They've lost their so- zeal for God. And, and, and I, I, I speak of the church in general, but I want you to know something. When I speak of the church, I'm speaking about you. I don't overgeneralize this, where you don't, where you fail to take it personally. I, I want you to take this personally. Amen. I want me to take this personally. Because the church is an assembly of individuals that gather in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. So if you are saved, washed in the blood, you are the church. You're part of it. And God help us today. If we can't get back to that first love. Amen. Some of you backslid. And you're under conviction right now because God's dialing your number. God's reminding you of the things uh, that He's called you to do, that you've ignored, that you've put off. Uh, but God is being gracious and merciful, and He wants you employed in His service today. Why don't you come back home? I'm talking about a, a spiritually wrecked and ruined and bankrupt church. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I know I'm on target. Number one, I want to say this. And... Uh, it's in. Uh, let me say it this way. There must be a willingness to work for God. One of the reasons our churches are lying waste, one of the reasons they're not reaching their community, did you know that the majority of churches are either at a plateau or in decline growth-wise? What God's doing here, and I pray it lasts and continues to grow, But what we've seen in the last few weeks of a growth, this is not normal. This is abnormal. This is strange to see a church today that's actually seeing some growth in such a crazy world that we live in. At least here in America. Because we're so gospel-hardened that we're cold to it. But God's doing something. And what I'm saying is you need to get on board. And I I, I know that we, we like to have our uh, you know, nosebleed section where we can just cheer from a distance and we can, we can be a spectator and we can say, go preacher, go. I like my preacher. Amen. Or we can say, go Miss Jane, go. I like my choir director, right? Uh, but listen, when are you going to get plugged in? When are you going to get involved? Well, preacher, I didn't come to be chewed out. I'm not chewing you out. I'm preaching to you. Amen. We all need to find our place. At the house of God. But there must first be a willing heart. Let's see here. Skip on over to. Uh, That's number one. Go to the day go ago. Nehemiah 4, 6. Look at it. So built we the wall. And all the wall was joined together under the half thereof. Watch this. For the people. Nope. Back up. For the people had a mind to work. And boy, I could go down that road, couldn't I? How many people today don't the work is the last thing on their mind? Hello. Yeah, how relevant is that? Don't let that creep into the church. Amen. One of the reasons that churches ain't reaching their communities, let me just put it this way they're just plain old fashioned lazy. Sorry. Amen. Got a spiritual welfare mentality. It's not what can I do for the church. It's what can the church do for me. And people come not to serve, but to be served. And if I'm not served, then I'll find somewhere that will serve me. But did you know that if you're a child of God, uh, Jesus came not to be ministered unto, but to minister? That is, Jesus didn't come to be served, He came to serve. And Jesus wants us to be like Him. But we've got this whole philosophy in our churches today where people just have this added, well, that church don't do nothing for me. When is it ever supposed to? you supposed to do something for it. Yeah. Can I get an amen? I'm not saying that we shouldn't serve one another, but it's the attitude that I'm addressing. It's, it's, it's the heart problem that I'm addressing. We get this notion that we are somehow... Uh, uh, you know, we deserve it. Or somehow uh, we're supposed to be served hand and foot. And, and people get upset if the preacher don't shake their hand or if the, if, if, if the deacon don't call them uh, when it's the, their week to call them or or somebody didn't pay a visit because they was in the hospital sick. And thank God it, nobody at that church ever called me. And it might have been every one of them was fighting hell the same week you was fighting hell in the hospital. And you need to have a little grace. Amen. People are people and they have problems and we're going to let some things slip through the cracks. But there's no reason for us to get through a hissy fit and act like a three-year-old and pitch a temper tantrum and quit church because the church didn't serve us like we thought it should. Amen. Praise God. What I'm talking about is we should have an attitude of what can I do for God. You see, what, what happens is when you have a willingness to work, the Bible says... uh uh, commit thy works unto the Lord, and this is not in my slide. Uh, commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. If you will commit your activity to the work of God, you won't have time to be distracted by wayward thoughts. You can preoccupy your thoughts by involving your work in the work of the Lord. Some of you just need something to do for God. And you quit all your bickering. You quit all your complaining. You quit all your backbiting and running people down and gossiping because you won't have time for none of that. And I'm just saying there's plenty to do around here. And if you don't know what to do, come talk to me at the service and I can give you a list ten miles long. Amen. <laughs> but uh, it's, a, it's a mindset. we got to be willing to do the work. And thank God for working people. And I want to say right now to this younger generation coming up, the ones that have good work ethic, I thank God for you and I salute you. Amen. Because that's harder and harder to find nowadays. But listen, uh, if you keep letting other people pay your bills, uh, sooner or later they're going to control your entire life. And you'll be imprisoned by your own uh, unwillingness to actually put forth some effort for yourself. Amen. And it's time that we... Raise up a generation that has a mind to work. You country folk have used this expression. Well, I have a good mind to fill in the blank, right? I have a good mind to go to Walmart. I have a good mind to, and we got it wrong right there. We Most of us don't have a good mind. (laughs) Usually it's corrupt, ain't it? Usually we've got our mind on crazy stuff. But I'm telling you, what will fix a lot of our distractions is if we would commit ourselves to doing something for God. Amen. When was the last time God stirred your heart to do something for the kingdom and you took it upon yourself as a commission from God that was your personal ministry that if you didn't do it, it would never get done and you committed yourself to your very last breath to do that for God? Is that foreign to you? It ought not to be. Amen, it ought not to be, but there's many today. Well, I don't know what I can do for God. Well, you know what? The Bible says that if you'll seek Him, you can find Him. Why don't you talk to God about that a little bit? He's the one that created you. He knows what your gift set is. He knows how you're thinking. He knows the way you operate and the way you function. He's got just the place that you'll fit in the kingdom. But you've got to have a mind and a willingness to do actual work because listen the bills don't pay themselves around here amen somebody's got to get up and go to work uh, so that we can take up an offering and and so that we can uh cover the expenses of ministry amen Uh, this thing just don't happen by itself and most of you good hard working americans and i thank god for you but i'm telling you something we need to transfer that zeal that we have for a paycheck on payday for uh, a zeal that we have for the lord Amen. If you were as motivated uh, to, to be uh, effective and useful for God in the kingdom as you were to get a paycheck, how would that change your spiritual life? If you were as committed to seeing this church grow and prosper and reaching the lost as you were making sure you kept a good job and uh, climbed the corporate ladder, how vastly different would our churches be today? It's something that we got to commit to. It's something that we've got to be willing to do. Amen. And, and, and I'm, I'm just throwing this out there because I know that God's wanting some of you to recommit. Amen. To get plugged in. Uh, and some of you just kind of got one foot in and one foot out. And you kind of test in the water. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I should do this or not, and you got your tiptoe in there this morning, amen, and you, the water feeling pretty good, but you're not sure if you want to get ankle deep, and you're not, not sure if you want to get knee deep, and you sure don't know if you want to get waist deep, and God wants you to get all the way in, and water's to swim in. Amen. And, and here's the thing, well, I'm afraid I'll be hurt. Some of you say, I'm, I'm afraid I'll be disappointed. I'm afraid I can't do it. All of the above will happen. Let me just go ahead and tell you that right now. You're going to be hurt, You're not going to be able to do it, and things are going to go wrong. All right, now what? Still do it. Amen. Still do it. Because the kingdom of God and the work of God must go on, because we're fighting the very forces of hell and darkness to do it. Why do you think everything goes haywire every time you try to do something for God? Because the devil wants to stop you. More on that Wednesday if you'll be here at noon. But the devil wants to stop you. And he'll give you every excuse in the book. you got to have a mind to work. Let me go on to my next point. Number two, Jesus must always be the main attraction. Amen. Jesus must always be the main attraction. Go to the verse here. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Look at it again. He entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. I love that. Don't you? Look what happens in the next verse. And straightway, or immediately, many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. Now, what attracted them people to this meeting? It was Jesus. And Jesus, it wasn't just, how do I say this? It was, it was, it was who Jesus was. It was what Jesus could do for them. Right? And Jesus said, if, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. You want to know what drawing power we have to pull people into the church? Preach Jesus. Live Jesus. Do Jesus. Amen. Be like Jesus. If we if we drop our cynical attitude and our pharisaical attitude and, and quit snubbing our noses at people, amen, and quit acting like we're better than people and tiptoeing around them like they're going to give us a disease and walk up to them and give them a big old bear hug and, and pray over them and love on them, amen, and start doing what Jesus did, you might be surprised at how many people might show up for church. In fact, it'd fill the house. We'd have to knock out walls and build on if we start loving like Jesus loved and doing like Jesus did. Amen. Jesus must always be the main attraction. Not the lights, not the camera, not the action, not the music. Amen. Not the programs. Amen. Uh, And look, we we don't have no problem with any of that, but we must always remember that Jesus Christ is the one that has the preeminence. And if Jesus ain't lifted up, everything we're doing is in vain. Amen. Point number three. Well, that ain't point number three, but we'll cover it back up. Let me look at that. Hey, y'all, I'm getting used to, I'm not used to pointing, preaching my sermon with a slide up, but I'm going to get used to it because some of you enjoy it. Amen. What happened in this text that we just read in Mark chapter 2? They praised Him. They preached Him. Jesus was praised. Jesus was preached. And then they patterned after Him. Something for you to think on. Amen. And if we'll praise them and preach them and pattern our lives after them, that's the recipe to explosive church growth. Next slide. Number three, there must be an outreach to the lost and the hurting. There must be an outreach. And I thank God for what we've seen already. Just in the short time that we've been here, this church has a heart to reach out. And that's one of the reasons I'm here. Because I was praying, God, pair me up with some people that are hungry to reach their community. And if you haven't noticed that yet, you're just blind. And I know every church has its problems. And I know you could probably be nitpicky and tell me some, something that went wrong and something that somebody said or did. But let me tell you something. That's going to be like that everywhere. Amen. What I'm sensing is there's a move of God. And people are hungry not only to grow in the Lord, but to reach their community. Now, let's look at these verses. Isaiah and if thou draw out thy soul, this is what God says to do. If you draw out your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity and the darkness be as the noonday. Verse 11, and the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones and thou shalt be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters fail not. And they that shall be of thee, that's our youth department. They that shall be of thee shall build. If you want them to get zeal for God, mom and daddy, you get zeal for God. Mom and daddy, grandparents, if you want your grandkids to to have zeal for God, you better lead the way. Well, I tell them to do as I say and not as I do. Well, you hypocrite. You know what? Kids can spot a hypocrite quicker than anybody because they know the real you when you're at home and nobody else is looking. Amen. I don't expect you to be perfect, and God don't even expect you to be perfect because you're still made of, uh, you're just nothing but a glorified mud ball, to be frank about it. Amen. Me neither, right? He took the, the, the dust and breathed into uh, the dust, right? Uh, he formed man of dust and breathed into his nostrils, and he became a living soul. We ain't nothing to glorified my boss. Amen. We ain't got nothing to boast of but him. Right? And that's, like, that's all of us. But let me, let me tell you something. God don't want you as a parent, or let me rephrase that. God doesn't expect sinful man to, to be as perfect as Jesus because he knows what frame we're made of. But he does expect you to try. And some people, honest to God, some people quit trying because they don't think they can ever get it right. That's never an excuse to quit trying. You always got to work on it. You know, And if you messed up in front of your kids and you're preaching one thing and you're doing another, repent. Turn around, make it right, and go apologize to them and confess it to them. Well, I'd never admit to my kid that I did wrong. Well, they will never trust the God that you claim that you serve them. Because the God that you claim you serve requires all men everywhere to repent. And we all need to spend some old-fashioned repentance time down at the altar. Amen. Around the foot of the cross. What I'm saying to you, they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places, but it's only when we lead the way. And it goes on and says, Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations. Do you want what we're doing today to last for generations? then we better do it and we better do it right. Amen. On Christ the solid rock I stand. They sang it this morning about the cornerstone. Amen. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Listen, even I preach a truth that is higher than even I am. I don't always live up to what I preach, but I'm always preaching what I should be living up to. Amen. And I'm striving. I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize. I may not be there yet, uh, but just be patient with me. Amen? Uh, and you may not be there yet, but God will give me the grace uh, to be patient with you. And we can get there together and we can strive together. But parents, it starts with you. If you want your children to serve God, you're going to have to do some repenting yourself. Uh, you're going to have to do some house cleaning. Uh, you're going to have to get some garbage out of your entertainment and out of your home uh, and start getting centering your family around the uh, family altar and getting in that book. And daddies, you're going to have have to raise up and be a spiritual leader in your home and quit letting mama do all the spiritual leading. Nothing wrong when you got a good spiritual mama at home. But daddy, she needs your support if you're still at home with your family. Amen. And I'm telling you, it's time that we, the people of God, get right as a family and not just uh, cheerlead our children on and act like that we are immune to God's uh, expectations for us. Amen. They shall be called the repairer of the breach. That's bridge building. The restorer of paths to dwell in. Amen. Uh, I know that our country, I I saw something on Facebook the other day. Somebody said, I wish, I, I miss the America that I grew up in. How many of you can say that? And I understand that sentiment and I relate to it and I say amen. But I'll be honest with you, America was just full of sinners back then too. They just had a better way of hiding it than we do now. Now we just flaunt it. We just strut our stuff out in the open. we just proud and loud about it. No, not knowing how foolish we are. Amen. And, uh, and I'm telling you what, the old paths that we need is not what happened back in the 60s or 50s or 40s, but what happened before the foundation of the world when God laid the Word down before He ever created man so that when He created man, man would have His Word. That's the old path we need to seek after, what God said from the beginning that all of us have strayed away from. Get back in that book. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, uh-oh, we're in trouble now, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable. And shall honor Him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure. Nor, By the way, why do Christians sometimes, the only day they can find to go fishing is on Sunday. Amen. You need to be at the house of God fishing for a word that will feed your, uh, your parts and dry soul. Amen. Amen. Nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own Words, right? Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places. Listen, you can't provide nothing for yourself that God can't provide better for you. You can go ahead and do your fishing on Sunday and live it up and enjoy your back boat and neglect the house of God and one day you'll be calling the preacher asking them to pray your kid uh, out of some bad situation and praying that God will help him be delivered from drugs and alcohol because you didn't care enough to raise them in the house of God around an old man of God that loved them enough to tell him to stay away from their sin. Amen. I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee "...with the heritage of Jacob thy father." That's a spiritual heritage. "...for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it." God said, in other words, God can bring it all back. God can bring back what was lost. America don't have to settle for what is. We can repent and turn to God, and God can restore what was lost. And I know there's some things that will never be able to change. But I'm telling you, God is the God of restoration. And God does things in ways that we can't even explain. All I know to tell you is if we'll turn wholeheartedly back to God, God will turn wholeheartedly back to us. God answers sincere prayers. Amen? Let's go to the next slide. Number four, there must be a vision. Now, I know that that seems like it's out of order, but it ain't. It ain't. Because I want, what I wanted to say is the reason a lot of people don't do for God is because people don't have a vision to do for God. Uh, look at this verse, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Okay, let's, let's stay right there for a minute. Where there is no vision. In the Old Testament, often the word vision was synonymous with a word from God. Uh, when, when it said in one passage there was no open vision, everyone did that which was right in their own, own eyes, what they meant by that, that there was no current prophet speaking a word from the Lord in that moment in time. There's no open vision, no current prophecy, where there's no vision, where there's no word from God. You you see, and what it's, you see. now that's the deeper meaning. Now I know that we apply, and it can be applied with being visionary and all that, but we don't have a vision if we don't capture God's vision. We're just blind. We call a vision, but we're blind when we don't include God in our plans. Where there's no vision, where there's no current word from God, the people perish. And I believe that God's word is living. And I believe that God's word is Powerful. And it makes you come alive. Amen. It is current and it is relevant. It is not just an old archaic history book. Amen. That we should just discard and throw away. It's not so antiquated that we got all the use out of it that we're going to get. Because if you read that book, that book will begin to read you. Amen. If you read that book, God, the Holy Spirit, will begin to speak to your soul and your heart. And God will begin to give you the vision that he has for your life. And if you don't get that, you will perish just like everybody else. Because you were not created to live a life separated from your Creator. Sin is what separated you. God came to remedy that problem so that He can fill your life with hope and purpose and meaning. Amen. And it's time that we junk our own vision of our life and begin to find out what God is currently saying to us. And then it says, But he that keepeth the law, the Word of God, happy is he. And see, that's one of the lies, fellas, ladies and gents. That this world will tell you that, uh, it's not cool to go to church. It's not hip, whatever the modern word is they use. Amen. I those are archaic, right? <laughs> uh, it, it's not, it's not popular to fit in with that church crowd. Some of you t- uh, embarrass you, hoping nobody sees you at the church when you walk out when I dismiss. Oh, I don't hope that my friends don't see me over here. I don't want them to label me. I hope they label you. They do you some good, Amen. Listen, you want you want to be labeled with a bunch of heathen that don't know God. You want to be labeled with the one that can save your soul. Amen. Listen, we're going to have to quit worrying about. We're going to have to take uh, divorce ourselves from public opinion because he that keeps the law is the one that's happy. You're not going to be happy fulfilling the lust of this life. You're not going to find happiness at the bottom of a bottle. You're not going to find happiness shooting it up or snorting. You're not going to find happiness in a, in a human relationship. Amen. You're going to find happiness when the Prince of Peace redeems your soul and, and fills you with the Spirit and gives you hope from beyond. That's when you're going to find true happiness. Alright, next slide, please. And the king said in the midst of Nehemiah 2. Now, we're back in Nehemiah. I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but this is the way the Lord gave it to me. Anyway, this is what the preachers call topical preaching, and most preachers criticize this style of preaching. They're afraid I'm going to get off on my doctrine because I'm not staying in the same passage and staying linear with it. Uh, but anyway, I don't know why I said that. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 6. I ain't worried about it, I guess. And the king said unto me, The queen also sitting by him, For how long shall thy journey be, and when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me. This is the word I want you to send. I set him a time. I set him a time. In other words, he got a plan of action together. He told the king, This is when I need it done. This is what I'm going to do. And it will be done by such and such a day. And churches are real good about talking about all the things we should do. And I commend you for that. We all do it, don't we? But we're not quite as good about writing a plan down and following through with it. Amen. How how many, uh, yeah, yeah, you gotta plan your work, but then you gotta work your plan. Amen. How many, how many, uh, ministries are in the graveyard of ideas right now? And whose fault is that? When we begin to assume personal responsibility for our personal ministry, we'll quit blaming everybody else for our lack of commitment to the cause of Christ. See, if I love Jesus like I'm supposed to love Jesus, I'll come to church and I'll even, if I have to, sit on the same pew as the person I don't like. Amen. Amen. If I have to, to get to Jesus, because I'm not coming to impress you or to please you or to even win you. I'm coming to worship my King of Kings and my Lord of Lords, and I'm coming to get my next assignment I'm coming to say, Lord, what do you have for me today? And what can I do this week to draw closer to you, to be more effective for you? And if you will make it about Jesus and not about other people, there can't be a devil strong enough in the church to keep you from coming back to the same place that devil goes to church with you at. Amen. Not to say there's any devils in here. I'm sure we're all angels. Amen. (laughs) Amen. But listen, let's go to the next point now. I want to say this, God could double our attendance in one year or less through our participation in his work to reach the lost of this community. Notice how I phrase that. Uh, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I don't have that verse, but I'm quoting it. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain. Now, who's building the Lord or they? The Lord's building. They're laboring. All right. You know what that tells me? We're both working. And I know we like to get super spiritual. And we like to say, well, God did it all. Amen. But the truth is, He used you. Amen. And He used me. And and God's chosen to use the human instrument. By which to give Himself glory. God sovereignly chose to use you, sir, you, man, in His service for the Lord. And so that does, it does, it's not saying that if, 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 uh, that God can't operate without us, but it is saying that God don't want to operate without us. That's not His original plan. And there's some things that God sovereignly chooses to override, regardless of our stupidity, amen, regardless of our inadequacy, regardless of our struggles or inability, whatever. But there's some things that God simply will not do without our participation. And some of us expect the the, the, the church to just uh, grow and blossom because the Lord's doing everything. But listen, God's going to ask you to play a part. You may be holding a key to revival that unlocks the... Power of God for the next generation right here at this church. Just by your willingness to say, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. Amen. I'm talking about let us rise up and build. We're going to have to have a willingness, ain't we? We're going to have to have a vision. Let's go to the next slide. Lastly, we must be filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. I cannot emphasize this enough. And uh, I want to say this, that... For, for whatever reason, and I'm sure there are many, a lot of Baptist churches are afraid to talk about the Holy Spirit of God. We don't want to preach too much on it or shout too much about it because we don't want to be labeled charismatic. We don't want to be labeled Pentecostal or Church of God or whatever. We're, I don't want them to think I'm a holy roller. Right? Am I telling the true church? We act so afraid of the third person of the Trinity, which is a pretty big deal. We ought to know more about them. We ought ought to study about them. We ought to seek to be filled with them. Amen. And we must be filled with and led by the Spirit. Now watch what the Bible says in Acts one eight. But ye, this was Jesus speaking to his disciples, but it can be applied to us today. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Stop right there. The Holy Spirit is sent to give you power to do the work that God has called you to do. For no other reason. To lift Jesus up. Of course, he points people to Jesus, but he's going to do it by giving you power to tell them about Jesus. That's the the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Let me put it to you this way. If you go out in the parking lot. And somebody stole your gas out of your gas tank while we was having church, and you go to try to—I hope they didn't—and <laughs> you go to try to crank your vehicle. If there's no gas in the tank, your vehicle's not going to crank. There's no power source, right? If a Christian is not filled with the Spirit of God, if you're on empty, there's no power source. You can do stuff in the energy of the flesh and never get much of anything done. That's why churches can exist for a hundred years and never win one convert, never baptize one person. Because they're not operating under the, uh, the feeling of the Holy Spirit. They're operating in the energy of the flesh. And the energy of the flesh does not have the power to do the works of God. Amen. And you shall be here's, here's the consequence of the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. You shall be what? Witnesses unto me. All right, you want to know what the results of being filled with the Spirit are? You'll be telling people about Jesus. And if we're not telling people about Jesus, there's only one reason for that. We're either lost or we're, or we're saved, but we're carnal and we're not filled with the Spirit. Because I said, the Bible said, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. So think about this for a minute. And I'm still preaching. But I'm doing a little teaching too. He said, "You'll be witnesses," and 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 there hold denominations that built entire doctrines out of trying to lead people to believe that the evidence of being filled with the Spirit of God is speaking in an unknown tongue. I want to say unto you that the evidence of being filled with the Spirit of God is speaking to a known tongue, the known gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And he can give you the power to preach to a a people group that you did not unnaturally acquire their language. I believe that's very much what happened on the day of Pentecost. People heard them preaching in their own language. That was a miraculous event. But notice the principal matter was that others would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ in their own language. And there's whole denominations so worried over the fact I've preached in Pentecostal churches that couldn't quite, they like me good enough to preach me, but not enough to really put their sanction on me because they never heard me publicly speak in tongues. The whole time I'm preaching more Jesus than I preached anywhere, and I was anointed to do it. And that's what attracted them to me was they saw that anointing on me they didn't understand how come this Baptist preacher sound like a Pentecostal but he don't speak in tongues. It's because of being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, God's more interested in speaking to you in a language that you can understand that will wreck your world and change your life than, you can, uh, than He is you coming to church and claiming to have some experience that you neither understood nor could appreciate. Yeah, amen. Now, that being said, I'm not knocking any of my brothers or sisters or that are in other denominations. I'm not saying that the gift of tongues doesn't necessarily have its place. We can have another class for that for another day. But my point is this. Sometimes we miss the boat. God wants Jesus exclaimed to all the world, however, whatever, by whatever means possible, and He wants to fill you with the Spirit of God so that you'll have the boldness to do so. That's what it's about. Amen. And in all, and that's why Paul said, and I've got to say this and I'll move on. That's why Paul said, I'd rather speak to you in five words of understanding. Didn't he say that? Then I forget how many and in, in, in not understand. In other words, most people today don't have a problem with what they didn't understand at church. They have a problem with what they understood. Amen. And uh, and if you have a problem with this kind of preaching, rewind it tomorrow and, it, and hit play again, it'll say exact same thing I said today, amen, when it was recorded. And if you read this Bible, it'll say exactly the same thing again. And the trouble is we don't want to bow and bend to the leadership of the Spirit of God in our lives. Do uh, you remember when Peter was in hiding? He was afraid for his life after he denied the Lord three times, didn't even have enough courage to speak and say, yeah, I'm one of them. Now, what changed between then and then when when the historians tell us that Peter was uh, so humbled to be crucified in the same manner as his Lord that he said, Boys, i got a request. I want you to hang me upside down because I'm not even worthy to be crucified in the same fashion as Jesus. Now, this is the same Peter that was afraid to mention Jesus' name early on in his ministry the night Jesus was crucified. What made the difference? It was the feeling of the Holy Spirit of God. What gave Peter the boldness to preach to that crowd and tell them, you're the ones that crucified the risen Lord? What gave Stephen the boldness to preach to a crowd that was throwing rocks at him the whole time he was preaching till he looked up into the heavens and Jesus stood and received him in the glory and he fell asleep in his arms? What, what uh, filled uh, John the Baptist? Uh, what caused him to be able to preach uh, to, to the king of that time and tell him he was living in adultery and he needed to repent and get right with God and it cost him his life? What causes these Christians around the world today and other parts of the world that might soon come to America, by the way, that give their very life for the cause of Christ under a communist regime that says either recant or you will be killed? I'm telling you, the church of America is shallow. I'm afraid that we don't have enough feeling of the Spirit of God to resist such uh, an onslaught of attack. I mean, we we get offended if somebody didn't call us on our birthday. Amen? And yet here are Christians around the world uh, that are being told that if you don't repent, uh, we'll rape your wife in front of you. And they're going through all kinds of torture and they're still refusing to reject the name of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, the difference maker is being filled with the Holy ghost of God and as long as we're filled with this world there's no room for him you know what you're going to have to do to get filled you're going to have to empty yourself you're going to have to empty yourself before God Almighty and say, God, I'm filled with lust. I'm filled with sin. I'm filled with wicked and vain imagination. I'm filled with my desires and my wants. I'm filled with hatred and strife. I'm, I'm filled with uh, racism. I'm, I'm filled with all kinds of fear. Fi- Lord, I'm coming to the cross to be cleansed. And I'm coming to the cross that you would take that away and replace it with yourself. And what happens then is we'll be witnesses everywhere we go. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. There'll be no limit to where you'll take the gospel when the Holy Spirit fills you up. Amen. Let's go to the next slide. I'm going to bring it to a close. The key to building a church is building the people. Let's build one another up and let's build up our community. Under the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. And I want to ask you a question. Personally, don't have to raise your hand or anything. Where can you get involved that you're not? Some of you got a beautiful singing voice. You need to use that talent for the Lord. Get in the choir. Do a special. Amen. Caudals ain't the only ones that can sing around here. Somebody needs to step up. What about personal soul winning? What about visitation at the church? What about... Starting a follow up ministry. If you notice somebody missing, call them up. To pray for them. Find out why they're gone. Amen. Add them to the prayer list. What about a ministry of restoration? We're good about stepping on people when they make a mistake. But where's that spiritual brother that'll come alongside them and say, hey, if it weren't for the grace of God, I made the same mistake. How can we, how can I help you get up out of this mess and let's get going again? Ministry of restoration. What about the grounds crew. What about youth ministry? What about missions? Here's what we want to do. We want to pray and ask God for direction. And then once He starts speaking, we want to plan it out. You're going to see some things over the next few weeks and months if God will give us permission and lead us. The th- things we're going to implement, things we're going to need some volunteers for. We're going to have ways in which you can make make yourself available as a volunteer for any sort of ministry that you feel stirred towards, amen. And we just need a church uh, that's willing and able to do whatever it is sort the Lord says we need to do, amen. And, and so I'm, I'm eager and I'm excited, and I say unto you, church, let us rise up and build. But I'm going to say it to you right now, I can't do it by myself, and I don't think you ever expected me to. Thank God for those of you that have already showed that you're involved. But we're recruiting help. Amen. If, if I could, if there is one more person today that's been sitting on the sidelines, that's been disengaged, that will step up and say, you know what? It's time I get back in the fight. I'd be a happy camper. Amen. Uh, if there was just one, but what if there were 10 that said, you know what? Uh, I've been kind of uh, cruising on easy street and I've just been showing up, but I've not been helping. I've not been tithing. I've not been giving. I've not been doing much of anything. And there is some things I can do. And I really got more time. If I were to be honest, I pretend like I'm too busy. But the real excuse is I just don't want to do it. Amen. Just not willing. And what if the Holy Spirit were to change your heart today? What would that? How How, how different would this church look? A year from now, if everybody, and I do mean everybody, did their part, let us rise up and build. Everybody stand your feet.